Yeah. Uh, th- Andy Kaufman is the topic this week. Uh, yeah, you read the headline, or maybe this just came through some sort of podcatcher and you had no idea. But yeah, it's the Overnight Scape Central. I am, as you well know, P. 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 Q. Ribber, your, your favorite host. And uh, we're here once again, as we do this every week, for another strange, twisted look at another topic that you could have had your own twisted look at right here among stars. And uh, I'll tell you how you can be involved in the next and subsequent Overnightscape Centrals, as I always do, at the tail end of the program uh yes we will invite you once again and and i know one of these days you're 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 just waiting for me to use the proper uh magic tone of voice that will um ease you in to such a thing they do say that uh it's an incredibly high number i don't think i have that many listeners that would correspond but it's like 97 percent of people even if they are incensed will not call a radio station you know like a talk radio station or call and request a song even that they just will not go through that which i i i forego almost anything on the phone so i don't blame anyone but uh it's even more involved to record something and send it out so uh, i would assume that uh by that token i should have about uh, eight million listeners by now uh considering how many contributors we've had Oh, this 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 is really a remarkable form, despite the fact that it is underused. That might actually be beneficial, because as I have often postulated, if we got like a hundred contributions one week, I mean, what would I do? <laughs> Retire and do this show full time, or a series of shows? Or yes, but yes, this week we are talking about Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman was kind of crucial at a certain point here on the Overnightscape Underground and possibly was key to all of us hosts joining Frank because Frank did this by himself for the longest time, about 10 years, if I am not mistaken. And then uh, a few hosts started doing shows and they called it the Overnightscape Underground and they'd been doing that for a year or more before... uh, I crash landed on this planet with uh, strange and unusual uh, proclivities far beyond those of mortal men. And here we are talking about Andy Kaufman once again because things have changed. I mean, this whole is Andy Kaufman alive thing was so huge and so crucial and even echoed for years after here is content on the channel but what happened to andy kaufman now that it's 2022 well we've got chad bowers and frank edward nora here to uh discuss this and uh, i've been driveling on and saying nothing so uh instead of me going on and saying nothing perhaps chad bowers has something to say so what is some kind of comedy I'm not telling jokes. 
painting mind pictures with poetry. My shoes feel like a fish. My clothes, they stink of fish. You might think that I worked in a fishery. I work at a bridal boutique along with several others. We've got celluloid in our jeans, Dad. You know, movies, motion pictures, art, the cinema as art, as text, the auteur theory. Getting into some of that uh, non-diegetic sound, you know. Something you get off an old condenser microphone. Early RCA inputs. Still working that old Philco, four foot tall out there, used to lay the Vic and Sade upon the environs of this house. Bouncing off the walls, vibrations, entertaining, shared vibrations, a communal setting together like the warmth of radiation from a fireplace. Staring at that radio, those waves coming in, uniting a whole country. Yeah, I could tell a joke. Why is Lassie brown? Because she's a dog, you know? <laughs> Lassie. You remember... Uh, Benji, I always loved the Benji. Yeah, I used to go to book fairs in school. Scholastic, you know. They had that weekly reader. We'd read the news, talk about it. Every week, this weekly reader. Read the news and talk about it. Propaganda panda in there. Propaganda panda and his big fat belly for western expansion through military-industrial complexes financed by the debt of the poor. Yeah, you just pass it on to the taxpayers. They'll pay for it. And if they don't, we'll just print more money, and then everything they have will be worth a little less. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Can't do that, man. You have an IRS agent up your ass. Ass man. ass man on a car tag import exports art imitating life you ever get into those custom vans from the 1970s I mean inside on the plush carpet under the Craig stereo tape deck those Jensen 6x9s cut into the plywood enclosures wrapped in inch-long green grass-looking shag carpet, baby. Shag carpet catches the love juices. Shag carpet's very absorbent when folks are getting on down to Funky Town in the back of a van down by the river. Nah, he's just kidding, though. You remember, uh, who was that, uh, master rat catching, rat catching, Willard, 
Charlie's Angels movies. I had some of that $5 sushi from the grocery store today, and things have started uh, to get a little weird down there. Yeah, folks are really lining up an odd motley crew for that $5 sushi at Publix grocery store. Grocery store sushi. It's what's for lunch. Not much to go bad, though. It's all maki. So you're just eating rice and vegetables and a little fake uh, green horseradish paste uh, as well as some soy sauce, which all in all had a good beat and it was easy to dance to. Don't be a dick, dick. That song was pants. Let me give you boys a little constructive criticism on your music. That was horrible. Now you go ahead and go think about that. At night, the man showed up and started playing the harmonica around the fire. We were outside. I'd never seen the police officer play the harmonica before. I don't know why you burnt the 7-Eleven down. But it was an interesting night, and that song that man was playing still haunts me. I can't quite decide if it was a riff on Islands in the Stream by the very lovely Dolly Parton and the very charismatic Kenny Rogers of Roasters fame. Did the, uh, did the Bee Gees do a cover of Islands in the Stream? Sounds like they would have. A disco cover of Islands in the Stream before it was written would have blown my roller skates right off my feet. See, this is what we're talking about. This is the poetry that uh, we're generating. It's, um, it's a type of humor defined by geometry. Do uh, you think... This is funny? You think this is funny? Do you think this is funny? One of my favorite Robert De Niro movies was Midnight Run. Directed by Martin Brest. Midnight Run. Charles Grodin in his finest role outside of Beethoven. The movie. If you admit that you can play the accordion... They'll never let you in a rock and roll band. Yeah, with Dustin Hoffman, I sometimes wish he was Rain Man. And because things were so dry that night, you gotta know Mrs. Robinson's thinking the same damn thing. There we go. Watch it now and you just see a, a young lady who dresses older than her age might... Uh, lead you to believe she would dress in today's standards, but then that's why you couldn't make that movie today. You just couldn't. You probably couldn't get the film stock, for one thing. You certainly couldn't find people that would be identical to all the people that made it. You see, that's the problem with time. You've been thinking about this time thing all wrong. 
as Crispin Glover said in his novel, Rat Catching, time to the rat is of the essence. It's the whole deal. Some rats have tails, some have balls. There's things you can do with rats that would disgust you. And that's why you've got to get them out of your house at any means possible. I saw this guy, instead of a mouse trap, he set up a little fair outside of his house with all these mouse-sized stalls. and It was basically a street festival where people come to sell their art. People that make honey come to sell their fresh honey. People that, uh, you know, make cheese. They sell their fresh cheese there. Um, mozzarella is a fresh cheese. I got a book on how to make mozzarella. That's the way the world's coming to. These street fairs, they fascinate the mouse. They fascinate the rat brain directly into the uh, subtropical hematoma of the believable cortex yeah yeah what's that part of the brain called the old lizard brain you know mice and rats they've got lizard brains also we've all got lizard brains it's one of the the big secrets is the uh, birds are what's left of the dinosaurs the, uh, the dinosaurs died out from smoking, and then you had all these lizards that never even became dinosaurs. And then somehow we inherited their brains. Brains. And you know a man that's got brains? And he sit there saw one of them rubbing his, his chest clockwise while with your other hand rubbing around your head anti-clockwise. And now you need to be chewing bubble gum when you do this. I'm talking about brains. That man's got brains. Have you ever... Um, tried to make an omelet and ended up making scrambled eggs. That's what brains look like and feel like if they're a little more yellow in color than they are normally. You have somebody's brain that's just like uh, soaked in television from cradle to the grave. These Disney cartoons, thank God you and I, did not live in the age of the DVD-playered minivan where uh, about 20 years worth of kids, they, uh, they watched these damn movies so much that it became foundational to the way their minds work and they think. And that's why they're all wandering around jobless having Disney spells. You can see it in their eyes as they break their ankles, twisting. Not really uh, much of a Tony Hawk in that future. Tony! Hey, Tony! My brother's named Tony. He's named Anthony. We always called him Tony. It's a pretty cool name. It's like 
Fonzie. Hey, Fonzie, where's Chachi? Where's Tony? Where's Squiggy? Where's Liggy? Lenny? Enjoyed seeing Lenny in the uh, Breaking Bad. What is it? A sequel? Preakness stakes of television soaked in these minds. A mind soaked in television is no mind at all. It's like a uh, cucumber in a, a bath of vinegar. At some point, it has just become a pickle. You couldn't, with a straight face, really sell it to somebody as a cucumber at that point. I love cucumbers on sandwiches, particularly Thai sandwiches. And there's something about the cucumber. I guess it's the hat-like shape of it that reminds me of those ancient medicinal practitioners of the uh, Thai people that that wore the big, big. Oh no, wait. I think I'm thinking of a sombrero, man. Never mind. It's a wrong, wrong dude. Wrong dude entirely. We got uh, we got Fonzie over here with his brown slash black slash brown slash black jacket. You know which timeline are you living in? You um. There's a few indicators. There's the Archie Bunker's chair. There's the uh, the one with tape, and it's more of a vinyl situation with lots of tape. And then there's the old green woven material. That seems to be more in keeping with the Julius variant from my direct experiences. But I never could talk my mom into purchasing for me an orange Julius. The orange Julius store had a, uh, a satanic quality to it. It was... A disturbingly reddish, deep blood-looking, dried-up blood, red brick. And then this bright orange glow coming off of the sign. Couldn't put your finger on it. But like a can of deviled ham, if you lifted it through there, you could ask yourself, is it worth it? And, and you know, as you eat the deviled ham, it's not entirely worth it, but you have another bite and it gets better. And that's the devil getting into you. As you start to become more and more of a pickle, you're being deviled like a uh, devil's food cake. If you're old enough to remember snack wells and the uh, the attack of the station wagon ladies when they come in from the store shelves, then you might be old enough to appreciate uh, cans full of pudding or uh, even a good devil's food cake for that matter. Cakes are a funny topic. Urinal cakes. Red. Cake uranium, you know. Is that a veiled 
gaslighting attempt to describe a buttery red velvet cake. You know the type we're talking about. I don't like urinal cakes. I prefer ice. If you've got a uh, long, tall, floor-to-mid-wall porcelain urinal, 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 like vinyl records, and you fill it with ice, nice rounded pile of ice in the bottom, that's a pleasant, uh, very pleasant experience. It's uh, the melting that adds the ambiance, or the uh, the ice certainly has uh, no smell, but maybe you could pump some kind of smell in there, and then take some other smells out of there, and. Uh, you know, in the balance, it might be a better room for it. For for God's sake, play some music. You know, people are uh, people are making bodily noises in here. There's uh, there's gas causing things to flap. It makes a ricocheted Mattel machine gun. Brap, brap type of a sound. Sometimes it's like a little horn or a little trumpet. And there's the guy that just uh, can't make it happen, you know, and he's trying too hard. And of course, you got another fool on the other end of the public restroom who's talking on the phone to a client that he's trying to sell some uh, swampland to. Or he's asking his mother for money. Look, it's, you know, you gotta charge what you charge, right? It's not gonna be free. It's a living, and uh, somebody's gotta make money. So, there's a person for every job. But there's not a job for every person. like one hand clapping. It's like uh, the sound of an eviction notice being hammered into the front door or the freedom one might find in a public library thereafter. You know, our greatest fear, uh, perhaps, is our greatest uh, achievement yet to be earned. Not until I'm on a cross-country train trip with a, a well-stocked bar car and uh, peanuts and one of those libraries. You know, this is a this is the kind of train I would like to see. One with a bowling alley, like super bus or super train, man. Yeah, super train, that's what I'm thinking of. That's that bathed in television mind regurgitating back uh, these end-of-life fantasies that will haunt all of us in our uh, deathbeds. Be telling young nurses stories about the uh, 
the time our, our uncle jumped the shark out there in the pond with everybody watching. And uh, it took about 20 minutes, but he jumped over that shark. And then the stories of the websites that came after and all your base belonged to us sound like utter complete lunacy. It is lunacy. That's why the sun's the same size as the moon. Gravity is merely light leaving this reality. A transference. Communications. Hell, you've got yourself a telegram to the other side and you didn't even realize it. We could talk to them. Of course, Frank says we'd just end up getting a refund violate the contract of the uh, outing that we had signed up for. <coughs> Which might be true because uh, that type of red tra tape you might expect to find in any reality of any type. You know, part of the organizational concept is, uh, is the problem of all these little boxes. You can't organize things without the boxes. You can't have all the boxes without thinking of things in terms of organization. Our brains need augmentation. Yet, there's the problem. Are you still you? Are you someone else? Are you something else? Are you just a machine? Will we become a machine? Is that what the Borg was all about? You know? You know, all these people want to get off uh, fossil fuel, but... Uh, we really should be moving to nu nuclear right now until we can move to something permanent such as fusion. Yeah. Fusion, man. Nuclear waste. If you build the nuclear power plant several hundred feet underground in solid rock, there you go, man. Nuclear waste, just put it over there in the corner. Store it with that... uh. That old uh, desk set that we bought for Mama. The one with the fold-out secretary desk. Well, she never used it for anything except for putting a few picture frames on and uh, a candle. Well, that's what, uh, that's what secretaries did back then. Primarily. Yeah, like a votive. That's how they thought of it. The votive vocation. In fact, that's what they used to call domestic help. Votives. I remember one life where uh, radio had become a, a deal, but it was a different type of radio. It was much, um, it was much coarser in sound quality, but it was in the 1800s, and uh, it broadcast more or less people reading the Bible, uh, famous plays, and there were only three channels. They had, um, because of the nature of how they were made with uh, basically nothing more than um, spark gaps. Just a raw spark gap makes a tremendous pulse, but it weights an awful lot of bandwidth. But it makes up for it by the fact that it's extremely long range, so... These situations were usually a single 100,000-watt broadcast tower, and that would carry for a whole hemisphere, and under some weather conditions, it would travel around the world. 
You may know if you're a ham that the ionosphere, depending on its height, changes the angles at which the waves bounce off of it. So you can drastically increase and decrease and manipulate in all kinds of ways the uh, radio propagation, which is nothing more than radiation. And radiation is what you are receiving from me. And I've had a certain number of ripples in my life going back to about nine months prior to December 14, 1970. I ventured to say an Elvis concert was on that night. He may have been appearing in Hawaii, and my father may have been wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Imagine that, smoking some true cigarettes with the small Zippo lighter with J-A-B engraved on it. Watching Elvis sing in Hawaii. That's coconuts. But those vibrations have followed me to this moment, and now I'm sharing vibrations with you, and our vibrations are commingled. So that uh, within the, from our perspective, hundred billion years until it's all over for this time you and I have these tangled vibrations and they'll always be present because outside of this reality time does not exist except for as a relative phenomenon there you go you and I are tangled up in blue tangled up in blue Tangled up in blue. I used to love that uh, song by uh, Gershwin, The Rhapsody. In fact, as a young man, when uh, psychedelics caused things to get too weird, it was the one cassette tape I could turn to, and because I knew it so well, it would help uh, keep me grounded. You ever have that situation where you got to uh, turn the radio down because the uh, windshield wipers are too distracting? Yeah, it can be a problem if it's raining and you need to turn the uh, music up because everything else is distracting. That's a flood of information. There's a flood of information coming in, you know. The flood. Gotta admire the flood. It's amazing the the qualities that something like this, just speaking words, how long such a thing can carry. You and I are tangled up in blue, flooded through the flu with nothing else to do. You and I are tangled up in blue, nothing else to do. Wilma's lemons too, Barney Rubble's wife, I'd love to take a slice. Yes, out there on Blue Bayou. Here we go. Back to you, P.Q. Yeah, there, there, there was a poetry to the whole approach Andy Kaufman took to his, I mean, his work. He really lived his work. I don't think there's any point where 
you're seeing the real Andy or you're not seeing the real Andy, depending on how you want to look at things. But uh, yeah, I've got, I've got, the, the, and, and what a delicious, dry Chad. That was just the commendable uh, look. And, and, and you, you, you got to remember, uh, I would say to some degree, I mean, the Overnight Scape originally came out of Gene Shepard, but Andy Kaufman was equally as influential. And luckily, I mean, we still have a little Andy absurdism in us, but uh, the prankster thing, that's Andy Kaufman is possibly the only prankster type person I can bear. I tricked tricking people fooling people haha uh at a certain age that just ceased to be as funny maybe but andy had a way of doing it where it wasn't he he was just like fooling people but it wasn't making them like the elvis thing all that was just oh that was just such a brilliant thing that the 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 whole and and the wrestling Andy, he really had a way of, of making things his own. And this was that Chad's uh, take was a splendid examination of the underbelly of it, the technique. Um, I mean, he Andy literally had a signature style. I mean, nobody went out and did another Andy. I mean, he had people like maybe Emo Phillips whatever happened to emo phillips but it or peewee herman i don't know i did there is some lineage there but it's not and my first andy was some summer replacement comedy review thing that i happened to record on my little cassette player and he did the uh uh, bringing the mountain over uh, the, the cannon over the mountain to Spain. I, and I memorized it. And I remember telling it at the lunch table. I was a aspiring stand-up comedian. And I thought, just, just steal a little here, steal a little there. I guess that's what you do when you start anyways. But, uh, yep. Yeah, and then he appeared that fall on Saturday Night Live. I don't even think it was the fault. Uh, Saturday Night Live, the NBC version, I think premiered at like mid-season or something. I could be wrong. But uh, you can see, I just blew my mind that there was that guy back again. And he the Mighty Mouse bit. Yeah, that was uh, Saturday Night Live, the very first debut episode, which was hosted by George Carlin of all people another great lost comedian i mean as i mentioned last week when i announced the topic andy today just they're not going to put him in the wwe hall of fame uh the way he treated women when he wrestled women is wholly inappropriate by today's standards i mean for all intents and purposes i mean that andy kaufman film with jim carrey that was it i don't i i would like to see a world where they will bring back 
Andy and uh, honor him once again. But I suspect if he surfaces again, it will only be to be some sort of um, whipping uh, symbol of some sort. Because, yeah, he did not have real serious politically uh, correct material there. And uh, yeah, he could be terribly offensive by today's standards. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but he asked us to see the world in a different way. And that was the magic. To see the world through his eyes as Andy. <sighs> well, we will see as this goes on. Uh, because coming up, of course, uh, I'm sure... And I'm very interested to hear uh, Frank's take on all this. And I, before uh, I hand the, the, the thing over, uh, I am just a little disappointed that uh, we, it's, I, I mean, I'm the three of us, I mean, we're like the three musketeers of the overnight scape central. I mean, there are others who are in and out here, but uh, we're, Popes among men among kings of the overnightscape central these days, carrying along. Uh, and really, uh, at times, I'm wondering, is there something, and I'm open for ideas, is there something different we could be doing here that might uh, coerce you into once in a while participating? Uh, and the other thing is, and I do... Uh, we've got one coming up, I think, this coming weekend. Uh, or, no, we just missed one. Ugh, I hate when I do that. I, and I was listening to it. This is spacing out altogether. Uh, yet yeah, the exit ramp. Also, I think... I hate... I hate... I hate missing the exit ramp. Anyways, uh, let's, let's, let's hand it over to Frank and uh, hear the thoughts of Mr. Nora. Before my involvement in the whole Andy Kaufman lives phenomenon, I suppose I was a mild fan of Andy Kaufman. Like, uh, like anyone, I, I appreciated his, uh, you know, meta humor, you know, his, his work on Taxi, uh, etc. Um, but I really wasn't a huge fan, I would say. I wasn't sort of obsessed with him as I met all these people afterwards that were super obsessed with Andy Kaufman. I don't know. I I have nothing against him as as a performer, as a comedian, but I just naturally I was just not you know it it was not something that was super important to me. Um, so when I got involved with this whole thing, I felt like I had sort of stumbled onto kind of a very interesting subcurrent in our in our culture, and I certainly reported on it, uh, but uh, got very sort of drawn into the whole thing. Um, so Andy Kaufman, definitely a fascinating guy, and then this did he fake his death or not uh, thing has uh, certainly tacked some additional interestingness onto his life. Um, but I think there is sort of an essential, for me, just for me personally, I think there's sort of an essential uh, disconnect with the Andy Kaufman verse um, because when it comes to uh, hoaxing or faking things, it, it really, that is, it, that is something I'm really not into, trying to do hoaxes and stuff. I feel like my, um, 
aesthetic or my, um, you know, in, in my show or whatever, you know, I, I, I try to be, you know, more straightforward and it's not about being tricky or trying to, Oh, I can hoax you or, Oh, you can make people believe things like it's, it's listen, that might be a thing that other people are into, but, um, it's just not my thing. In fact, through the whole Andy Kaufman thing, I did actually interview uh, on the show many, 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 many years ago, um, Alan Abel, who was a, a very famous hoax, hoaxer, and someone who Andy Kaufman apparently did meet with about faking his own death. Um, I felt like I had no chemistry. I had no really no interest in the whole hoaxing community, you know. Like what did the guy say? He he created this uh, this organization that he wanted he he went on, he went on the news and we want animals to wear pants. It's indecent. I mean, some people may think that's clever and interesting. I I just wasn't really for me. So it was weird. I I did feel like uh you know the whole thing to me. I wasn't really into the whole idea of this hoax, but I found it interesting that these people out there really cared about the hoax. Um. So, I mean, so what happened was, now, first of all, I want to say, I, I, I've always said Andy Kaufman, I, 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 this, this Kaufman crap, I, I don't know, I, I can't do it, I don't, I cannot call him Andy Kaufman, it just, it just feels wrong to say Kaufman, you know, I've never said, said it that way, and is that the official way you say Andy Kaufman, or is that like an annoying way of saying his name, I just say Kaufman, and that's it, I, I, I refuse to say Kaufman, um, so in 2008, I started The Rampler. So there's this long history. I've been doing the Overnightscape since 2003. And um, I created this new way of recording, walking around New York City on my commute so that I didn't have to spend so much time at home working on the show. And I, I gave it a different name for some reason, The Rampler. It made sense to me back then. And um, I was also sort of really heavily using Twitter, the early Twitter back then. Um, and uh, this guy, who turns out to be someone named Steve Maddox from Indy, Indianapolis, Indiana, and then eventually moved to um, Albuquerque, apparently. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, he contacts me and claims that he is Andy Kaufman. And uh, he faked his death, and I had sort of stumbled upon this. Apparently, stumbled upon this. Apparently, there were tons of people that were enthralled by this guy, thinking that maybe he really was Andy Kaufman. And there was this whole backstory. There were all these online web forums and all these things. So this guy was apparently uh, devoting much of his his life resources and his life and his time and energy to this uh, internet hoax or phenomenon, whatever you want to call it trying to make people think that Andy Kaufman uh, was still alive. And uh, in the course of it, I, I interviewed him. Uh, he was using a voice changer. Um, <clears throat> and so I, I kind of, <clears throat> the way I said it, again, as I'm sort of talking about this in a meta sense, that um, I was fascinated by why was there, what was the motivation of this guy who, was spending so much of his energy, so much of time and money and everything to try and make people think Andy Kaufman had faked his death. So Andy Kaufman, history shows, died in 1984 of cancer. Or did he? You know, did he fake his death? Did he succeed in it? Um, 
Then a few months later, I actually there's actually a press conference in New Brunswick, New Jersey, in a hotel suite, and that's all documented. Manny the Mailman was there, and uh, what's his name? That guy, uh, the guy that went on to become semi-famous. Uh, I can't even remember his name. You know the guy I'm talking about. Um, anyway, it was a wild scene, and people thought I was in on it, right? Chris Gethard, that's the guy's name, Chris Gethard. People thought that I was in on the hoax. Meanwhile, I wasn't. I stayed overnight at the hotel, and Maddox came to see me, but he, he kept a mask on, and it was a whole thing. I thought, you know, well, what, you know, what do I have to lose? Like, this is actually really interesting, and if Andy Kaufman does show up, that'll be a plus. You know, that'll be cool. Um, but nothing really happened. I, I know Chris Gethard started chasing Andy uh, <laughs> Maddox on, and Maddox had a bunch of people with him. Started chasing him on the highway in New Jersey, and it was wild. I want to get that. I actually want to get Manny's video on uh, Tapeland. I'm 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 working on that. Hopefully, that won't be too difficult. But anyway, hit the video of the Andy Coffin press conference. <coughs> anyway. <coughs> and then after that, th this thing just kept going for years and years. And we did actually, I got to talk, I, I talked to him, Maddox, a few times on the phone. We had him on some live streams at Google Hangouts or Google Chats. And, uh, you know, it started to sort of come out. At one point he said, Matt, this is Steve Maddox, he's, because the main mystery is what is up with this guy, Steve Mannix? Why is he uh, spending so much time on this Andy Kaufman lives uh, phenomenon? And at one point he's like, he's like, I don't even want to do this. It, it is my duty or it's my responsibility. It's like I have to do this. And um, why do you have to do it? It seems like maybe something you do for a few months, but you're doing this thing for years. Turns out, I think that we f we surmised that Steve Maddox, his father may have... So the theory is Steve Maddox's father was a friend of Andy Kaufman, was there at the end when Andy was dying. And so the theory is on his deathbed, Andy Kaufman asked his friends, hey, could you, you know, I already sort of laid the groundwork. I, I set, you know, I planted the seeds that I was going to fake my own death. Could you guys, after I do die, because he knew he had cancer and he was dying, could you guys do whatever you can do to kind of perpetuate this this myth that, you know, I, I that I faked my death? So that was Steve Maddox's father. And so Steve knew about this and I, when his father passed away or wasn't able to do it so Steve kind of felt like it was his responsibility to take on this the mantle of this uh, creating the the legend and as Maddox said several times he said that he wanted to plant plant seeds deep in the records of the internet so that anyone that was in the future that was doing research would find a mass amount of information online in all sorts of different places um, about this phenomenon. It would cast down on things. It would it would make people wonder forevermore. And so he he was using me, be, you know, because I was sort of receptive to his to his uh, to his stuff. Um, so I guess he figured, oh wow, here's another podcast that you know people will listen to in the future where where we'll talk about how Andy Kaufman, Andy lives, Andy Kaufman lives. Um, 
and uh, it's so, so that I think is a separate story from Andy Kaufman. The story of right, if your father was like, "Hey, you know, I promised Andy Kaufman to you know do some internet hoaxes so he could." Uh, obviously, this was before the internet when he died in '84. But you know, I, he's like, "Hey, son, yes, Dad, I promised Andy Kaufman to to uh, to try and make people think he faked his death." When I actually die, son, could could you continue to try to like make people think Andy Kaufman faked his death? Like, what do you do with that kind of like? Sure, I'll post a few things on, on but how do you take that and run with it? So the so this is the story of Steve Mannix. Like, what was it about his personality, his life that he didn't just he didn't just uh, dip his toe into this world? He he committed fully. In fact, I he and I spoke to him afterward. And by the way, I haven't spoken to this guy in years. Okay. Um, in fact, I was actually thinking about maybe trying to contact him to see if he had any comment for this uh, episode of Central. But I thought about it for about two minutes, and I'm like, you know what? That's like kicking a hornet's nest. I'm so happy the Andy Kaufman thing has died down. I haven't heard about it in years. I don't want to hear about it anymore. I'm so tired of it. As as PQ in those days. Uh, said he's like too much Andy Kaufman stuff. This is getting ridiculous. I agree. It was ridiculous. And uh, it's calmed down now. So I did I did not contact him. I didn't make any any attempt to contact him or anything. Um I really like do not want this thing to come back. It's it was it was uh interesting. It did go too far, but I don't want it to come back because this is this is crazy. Um well it's not crazy. It's it is it is basically obsessive. But you know the story of Steve Maddox would be super interesting if he ever if he would ever tell it, and of course, uh, documentary filmmakers uh, John something and the other guy John something. Um, I actually uh, they they were making a movie called Andy Kaufman Lives, and uh, I they actually filmed an interview with me in in, uh, in a park in New York City many, many years ago now, um, and uh, the movie has never come out. And uh, I don't know if it ever will come out. <laughs> this guy, John, whatever. If you if you look him up, he they also made this movie, Mirage Men. I didn't even watch that movie. But this guy, John, something. Um, he supposedly were, has you know has worked with banks, Banksy. He you know the artist. He's he's made crop circles. There's there's uh, rumors that he works with the British Secret Service, MI6. So I actually met this guy. Very weird, and like the other guy, they they were like really nervous in the park in New York, and it was it was a wild scene. Um, they had the Andy Kaufman puppet there, like a marionette. Whatever happened with those guys in that movie and everything? It just the whole thing kind of died down. Then there was a few flare ups of the Andy Kaufman thing, and I someone actually from like one of these TV shows, like Extra or Entertainment Tonight, called me and asked me to come on and. And I just, I kind of, I refused. I, I forget exactly my reasoning at the time, but it was sort of like, you know, they they were saying that there was a guy that works at a, at a it was actually a, a Circle K convenience store uh, right right by the Cottonwood Mall in Albuquerque. And they're like, is this guy actually Andy Kaufman? And I, I said, listen, we're talking about this, a random person that has nothing to do with this, you know, and, and, and please respect his privacy. You know, like if this really is Andy Kaufman, you know, he doesn't want to be found. And if it's not, you're just like harassing some dude. You know what I mean? So I kind of, and and then, 
I think they mentioned like like one of them, someone refused to be interviewed, and Maddox was like, "Oh, that's good, Frank. That 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 makes it seem more genuine that you refuse to be interviewed." You know, it was, it was all that kind of stuff. Is that kind of stuff? You know, um, it, it think looking back on it as it's it's been gone and done and over with for such a long time. But I did meet a lot of cool people through it, and you know, like um, Brandon General. Uh, I met, you know, I met so many cool people, and we had we had a lot of uh, you know group group calls, group shows about it. Uh, Brandon General actually went up to uh, when I went up to Toronto, I I stopped by the mall he works at in um, Hamilton. Ontario and uh, hung out with him for a little while. There's a lot of it was a lot of cool people from the Andy Kaufman world. I don't I don't know how many of them are still. I don't think any of the Andy Kaufman people are really still involved in the channel, right? Andrea from Croatia, remember Su- Susan from Texas. I still have a lot of them on Facebook. I just don't think anyone really still listen from that group is still listening. Um, but it was uh, it was a very cool time, and you know. It it seemed like you know I mean I do have a um, a meta theory about about the whole thing you know which relates to my timeline and time travel uh, theories which is that you know there was in in an, in the original timeline some sort of catastrophic event that happened around April or May two thousand nine right and this is just a theory but like you know like an asteroid hits or you know, there's a huge tsunami that wipes out the east coast of the U.S. or something, and that there's some method or capacity that I am not aware of at this level that you can rewind time and start again, right? So go back to 2008 and then run it again. And the idea is that if you keep rewinding, you'll find, you'll eventually get to a timeline where that one event doesn't happen, right? And it seems like this bizarre and unlikely my involvement with this Andy Kaufman thing. And it started because I must have posted something on Twitter. So this guy Maddox was searching for certain search terms and found my show, The Rampler, uh, through that. And then he contacted me. That's how it all got started. The idea is that this, this whole Andy Kaufman thing was never part of the original timeline, but that for some reason, the timeline where I got entangled in this whole Andy Kaufman lives phenomenon led to a timeline, and perhaps unrelated, just the randomness of it all, led to a timeline where I got to a 2009 where that disaster didn't happen. It's a bit of a far-out theory, I admit. I admit it's a bit of a far-out theory, but I've thought about it. I've thought, thought about that. Like, Who knows? Again... This is probably not true. This probably didn't happen. But in my, I theorize about it and think about it. May have had to try thousands of times to get rewinding time and and uh, running it to try to get get to a, a world where that di- that there was not that destruction. Because I want to live in a version of this world where the East Coast wasn't destroyed or the world didn't get blown up. You know, I want to I wanted to keep going. And somehow the super randomness of this Andy Kaufman thing perhaps was enough of a disruption that the probabilities changed. If it was an asteroid, it was on a different, slightly different course. If it was a you know a Russian uh, un, you know underwater nuclear blast that caused a, a tidal wave to destroy the east coast of the U.S., that didn't happen. Whatever it was, I, I know this is going in a bit of a strange direction, but anyway. Um, 
But I've thought about that. Um, and, you know, with the fact that it's sort of woven into um, the Ansug as it is, it's, I think it's kind of interesting that it's sort of like this this aspect of the Ansug, the, of our archive and of my show, that this whole Andy Kaufman thing was sort of woven into that. And I know this guy Maddox was trying to weave this huge tapestry of bullshit, basically, that would would cast doubt on the whole uh, the whole thing. But he did, Steve Maddox did uh, create... A, a very, very plausible scenario as far as how did Andy Kaufman fake his death. And it was very detailed, and it was... The, the story, it almost sounded too... really too detailed and too... Um, too, too many little nuances. Like, you know, it was kind of a brilliant story if if it didn't happen and i you know i want to tell you my opinion is that <clears throat> i think you know i don't know what happened i don't know if andy kaufman's still alive but if i had to guess you know i think to me when you come up with these things when you face these questions you don't know the answer to the best thing you can do is get all the information you you can get develop theories and kind of personally kind of you don't want to believe any of the theories but you can just give each uh you know, give give each theory an estimated percentage. So I think the most likely scenario is that Andy Kaufman did die and did ask people he knew to try and uh, perpetuate this myth that he faked his death because he said he had already had, you know, made some noise about it. And there was also all some implications. And obviously that the it was something that people were talking about at the time and and continuously since then, I know the movie uh, Man in the Moon kind of <clears throat> uh, you know touched on that as well. Kind of interesting that angle. If you believe we put a man on the moon, man on the and you know which to me is the, one of the biggest hoaxes of all time, the Apollo moon landings. Um, to kind of I don't know if it was directly stated the reason they called it man on the moon was that uh you know that up uh, the nasa's apollo moon landing program that many people believe was a complete hoax and i again fa using that method i think that i my estimation on the apollo moon landing program is that there's a great chance there's a high chance that it was all a big hoax so are they trying to sort of compare Andy faking his death to the moon landings as big hoaxes? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe. Um, and by the way, Alan Abel did fake his own death. He he got the New York Times, I believe, to print an obituary on him. And he's like, ha, I'm not really dead. I'm not, I'm not dead yet. What was that movie, The Serpent in the Rainbow? Whatever happened to that movie? Remember... We uh, when we did Train Crap and Blood back in like 1990, <clears throat> or was it 90, 91 actually? <clears throat> we did a, a parody of the Serpent and the Rainbow called the Serpent and the Rockbow, where Fred Flintstone was like buried alive or something. Wilma, I'm not dead yet. Whatever I, that movie is like, I've never heard of that movie since then. What was it? It was like it was like some. I think it was like John Hurt got involved in like a voodoo cult or something. Listen, I don't know. I don't even really, really remember this movie. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, anyway. 
the theory, the theory of how Andy did it. This is what Maddox told us. Over time, kind of revealing this 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 uh, deep mystery, which was that Andy never had cancer, and he decided. So, first of all, before we get to this, the idea is that Andy Kaufman was someone who um, was really not interested in in being rich and famous. Uh, they said that uh, this was sort of from Maddox, but I think this is also corroborated. The idea that Andy Kaufman achieved a huge amount of fame being on Taxi, playing the char- the, the foreign man character, Latka Gravas, um, that he was making a lot of money, but that he was living in a, a, a tiny apartment with, with just almost no furniture and was sending all his money back to his father in Long Island and didn't go out and party, didn't live a celebrity lifestyle, just, just was a complete like hermit. And had like zero interest in any kind of celebrity lifestyle, lifestyle of the lifestyles of the rich and famous, or anything. And in fact, was seemingly concocting ways to uh, subvert the whole process. Right? I mean, when he did things like uh, you know breaking the fourth wall, like that that thing that happened on Fridays. And I love the show Fridays, by the way, where he he's doing a skit and then he's like, "Listen, I I can't do this," and he sort of. Like it, it was something that he worked with a few of the cast members, but not all the cast members knew that he was going to do that. So he would start to, um, you know, really his humor, breaking the fourth wall. Uh, you know, he was definitely like a performance artist, and but then it sort of went too far, and he started destroying his career. And then the whole wrestling thing, which I have to admit, I'm not, I've heard about, but I haven't like watched detailed details of the whole wrestling thing where he wanted to wrestle women and he was like he was you know on on what was he on letterman with one of the jerry lawler and they pretended to fight and it's just like that meta humor uh he kind of you know i think what maddox had said he kind of deliberately destroyed his career and had no interest in yeah just gonna jump in and uh, clarify because i know a little bit better about the wrestling uh thing this was during the quote-unquote territorial era before wwe and wrestlemania in fact andy passed before wrestling really hit that big big uh popularity that it hit in the mid-1980s the whole Hulk Hogan thing and all that Uh, Andy uh, went around with the Memphis uh, territory Uh, Jerry Lawler was involved with that I think Jeff Jarrett was but that's immaterial he was the intergender champion and he would do this whole heel you know bad guy act and invite a woman i'm not sure how many of them were plants and how many of them were real women who got up out of the crowd and agreed to wrestle andy uh i think a little of both perhaps and um he would wrestle them some say he would frot them if you know what that means if you don't uh, look it up i will not elaborate here uh and uh beat them and then run around the ring he's the champion and you know play the whole bad guy heel thing but that was his shtick 
in wrestling and it went over really well and Jerry Lawler got involved because of course he accused this guy of being you know just he can only beat women and if he wrestles a real man he there's no way he could win and that was how the feud between Lawler and Kaufman started in kayfabe so to speak clearly he could have ridden this wave and probably gotten his own sitcom eventually and could have been a traditional celebrity had he wanted to, but apparently he had no interest in that. And there's something about that that's very... Um, and then the whole Tony Clifton thing, right? You know, Bob Zamuda was... You know, like sometimes Bob Zamuda played him. And I actually met Bob Zamuda in character as, as Tony Clifton during this whole thing. I, that's when I met Peter Bernard there. I think I met Peter Bernard through this... Uh, that the other 209 guy through this, uh, not my friend Peter Lipke, but Peter Bernard, um, through this whole Andy Kaufman thing. Um, you know, and, and and I know that in, I think it was in the end of Man on the Moon, which I haven't seen for ages, they they show Tony Clifton. But could it actually be Andy Kaufman as Tony Clifton, right? So I think I can imagine this. I can imagine someone with this kind of personality, really, really talented guy, really bright guy, uh, inventive, uh, but he just, uh, you know, he's looking at this process, the celebrity process and everything, and, um, you know, does not want to be a part of it. And so the idea is he wants to, you know, inspired perhaps by Alan Abel, uh, he does want to fake his death, but not to sort of thumb his nose at everyone and be like, ha ha, you jerks, I, I, I'm really alive, I'm not dead yet, right? <laughs> like Alan Abel did, but then Alan Abel really did die, so, or did he? All this this, this endless questioning. Um, so, in this case, it was someone that's going to fake their own death, but they have no interest in ever coming back, right? So this, this is the idea, and this is basically what Maddox sort of wove this story, that Andy... And this, again, is corroborated, I would say, by Andy's clear disdain for celebrityhood and money and everything else. And he just won. And so the idea that Andy had gotten to a level of fame, especially with the sitcom Taxi, that he would never be able to get away from his fame. He would never be able to uh, lead a normal life or whatever his mindset was. So for him, faking his own death was both the ultimate hoax and, but the joke of it all was that he's never going to reveal that he faked his death, right? That was sort of Andy's um, ultimate joke as he thought about it, right? So I think that um, from the perspective of my most likely scenario, that was his idea. He was going to fake his own death and never come back and uh, and... While there were, you know, he wanted there to be rumors out there, but it would never be satisfied. It would never be known. And that's kind of what, what I was dealing with. I thought there was going to be some sort of revelation, some sort of conclusion to this issue, but it's it, it has never been um, resolved, right? It's just this open thing, which I think is was the intent or was Andy's intent, right? And it's interesting that this idea of the desire for resolution and conclusion, the end of the story, 
um, is, I think in perhaps a related way, uh, the theme of uh, Twin Peaks, right? Twin Peaks, two seasons on television, 90 and 91, then the movie in 93 or 94, and then the return in 2018. Um, there was a guy online who produced these this this video many, many hours that completely figured out the intention behind Twin Peaks. And I do think he figured it out. I do think he got he got it. Um, the idea was that television was uh, producing these endless kind of crime investigation shows, which is an hour long, but with commercials, so it's 44 minutes long, where we introduce a crime, someone's murdered, right? The detectives try to figure it out, then they catch who did it. The end. And then they're punished. The end. And <clears throat> this sort of um, uh, this sort of encapsulated creating good guys and bad guys cre- and then creating a murder victim every time. Creating a character just to kill the character and then figure out who done it. Right? This was David Lynch's criticism of this <clears throat> that, that we don't need this easy resolution. Right? And we're actually creating murders and we're creating idea of murders. We're creating characters. He wanted to create a show where who killed Laura Palmer would never be revealed, right? And it would be just this continuous mystery. But he was forced by the network to finally resolve it, which was sort of against the spirit of it. And then this guy this guy <laughs> explains it much better. I think it's like a five-hour video or something. <laughs> um, but the idea of like a mystery that will never have a conclusion... Um, so I think, again, that was Andy's intention. He wanted to get out. He had no interest, and, and he had kind of destroyed his career by this point anyway. So he would have always lived with sort of the shame of being a has-been at that point because he blew out, he blew it. He completely blew his chances to uh, uh, to be like uh, you know a big star, and and so he really had nothing left to lose. So my my. I think the most likely thing is that he was actually planning this. It was in the early planning stages and then actually got cancer and actually did die in 84, right? Which is sort of like, you know, you sort of jinxed yourself by all this death stuff that you actually then do die, you know, because you're planning on faking your death so much that cosmic fate has it that, that now you really are dying. Anyway, the... And then on his deathbed, he asks everyone to perpetuate this myth and yada yada. And then it results in Maddox taking it way too far, right? Anyway, um, <clears throat> so the story that Maddox tells of how Andy did it is really very cool. So basically, and listen, this may have happened. I don't know. I don't think it's likely that this happened, but this is possible. So Andy sort of sought out someone who was dying of cancer that was generally his height and build. And um, so he basically um, befriended a guy, and the name Nathan McCoy is the name that Maddox used, a guy who was a Vietnam veteran. Um, He really didn't have much friends or family. He was kind of alone in the world. So this is the kind of person he was looking for, a person that had no one and was dying of cancer. This is this is of course very uh 
very sort of morose and you know, you know oh, I need to find someone that has 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 no fa- friends or family and is dying of cancer and is basically the same height and build as me. <laughs> what? Uh, so what he said was he befriended this guy and um, he proposed a deal to Nathan. Right? He's like, listen, Nathan, I'm Andy Kaufman. Damn it. Okay. You know me from taxi. Hello. Thank you very much. I'm a foreign man. Right? So he's like, listen, Nathan, listen, dude, dude, you have no money. You're nearly homeless. You have no friends, no family. You got the, you got the big C. Okay. Listen, I'm going to, I'm rich, by the way. I'm a multimillionaire. I'm a TV star. I will pay for the best cancer treatment you could possibly get right you will there's no way you could afford this i'm going to i'm going to pay for your cancer treatment and let's hope that you get better um right uh but what you have to do is if you do actually wind up dying but we're going to really try to make sure you don't die um we're going to swap identities right at the point when you're dying, you're going to be very emaciated, right? You won't look like yourself. And my close family and friends will be in on this, right? We're just going to exchange wallets. And back then, the driver's licenses didn't even have pictures on them and everything else. He's like, listen, I am go- we're going to swap identities. It, when you die, if you die, right? We're going to give you the best possible treatment. But if you die... Um, we're going to swap wallets and swap identities at the very end, right? And listen, you just have to, this is, right? You'll be dead. So it's just, it's no skin off your nose, right? Um, but who knows? With the best possible treatments, you, you could live a long life. And I will not, there'll be no problem there. But we're going to swap wallets and I'm going to go and live as Nathan McCoy, as you. And you will be buried as Andy Kaufman and... My parents will identify you, identify the body as as me, Andy Kaufman, which is a crime, by the way. It's a, it's, I think it's a felony, actually, to do that. Um, and then his closest associates would know about this. Andy would then go off into the sunset and lead an anonymous life, okay, because it's what he wanted as Nathan McCoy. And it was a lot easier to do something like that back then as it would be now, because this was 84 it was before a lot of the internet stuff. And so you could you could fake this kind of identity. He would take this guy's social security number, this guy's complete identity, right? So the idea is that though he did provide this guy the best possible treatment, it really didn't help. The guy uh, died of cancer. So the emaciated body of Nathan McCoy was displayed in an open casket as Andy Kaufman. But again, the body was so emaciated that you wouldn't really know. Obviously, he's a guy that's the same, you know, he's a white guy that's the same height and build as Andy Kaufman. <clears throat> so the people that went there didn't question it, didn't question it. His parents, I believe, did ident- legally identify the body as Andy Kaufman. They knew it was not him, and so that that's an actual, you know, uh, you know, I think a felony. It's a it's a it's a it's an offense. You could go to jail for that apparently. Um and Nathan McCoy is buried in the place of Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman then goes off. And one thing I asked him on the interview, I was like, you know, well, wouldn't people recognize you? He's like, listen, Andy was known primarily for the look of latka, right? That sort of 
slicked back hair and the sort of stupid smile. He's like, listen, you know, without that, he, the, Andy with a different hairstyle and just, you know, would he's becomes kind of un, unidentifiable. And in fact, um, there's that Letterman appearance, like one of the, his, uh, was, I think it was in like the early eighties, a Letterman appearance that where he <clears throat> looks very disheveled and he's coughing and stuff. Maybe I should try to find that one. And, uh, he uh, he he really doesn't look a lot like he doesn't look super recognizable. So I think that his his point that Andy sort of in you know not made up and not looking like uh, Lodka or whatever, not with the slick back hair, really could just kind of look kind of anonymous, and he could sort of live a life like that. Now listen, this plan, and that's why I'm saying like this story and this plan sound somewhat plausible. And sounds very elaborate and, you know, maybe Andy even thought of this and on his deathbed told the people, this is how I would have done it if you can plant the seeds and make people think I did this, right? So, and the fact that I'm talking about it right now, obviously now this is additional additions to the, uh, the tapestry of bullshit of Andy Kaufman, yeah. Uh, Andy Kaufman on Letterman. Yeah, this is an interesting one. But yeah, I I have I just want to say that I have been enjoying my my Kaufman free uh, show for many years now. So again, I don't I don't want to uh, kick the hornet's nest. Okay, so so this is Andy on the D- David Letterman's daytime show, October fifteenth, nineteen eighty. Lately, he's been, I guess, busy doing other things. Nonetheless, I'm glad that he has agreed to be with us here this morning. Please welcome Mr. Andy Kaufman. He's saying Kaufman. But see, when you look at him here, you could sort of see he could kind of pull it off, and people wouldn't recognize him necessarily. He's like super disheveled and unshaven here. I really, I really appreciate you being here this morning. It's nice to see you. Uh, tell me about... Uh... By the way, I was... Sorry, I messed up there. Sorry, what the hell? Uh, I'm having trouble controlling this video. Um, I, what the hell? I simply wanted to say that I was actually watching this the daytime Letterman show. It was only on for like two months in 1980, but I was a big fan of it. All right, let me let me go back. But this is kind of a brilliant appearance, and this really does, you know. I mean, Andy was a brilliant performance performance artist, and uh, you know this is this is some of his best work right here, and uh, you know I really I mean I appreciate it, but I I really don't I can go through many many months and what I I don't want I don't really care that much about Andy Kaufman. That's what I'm trying to say. I appreciate his work, but I'm not like that into it. <clears throat> there it is. He's extremely disheveled, unshaven. Tell me about Tell me about Taxi. Was Would you like a tissue? Would you like a tissue? Um. His nose is running, I guess. Uh, 
wiping his nose. You see, like a snot's coming out of his nose. Um, now, the, uh, the, the there was a TV strike, you know, and uh, some shows were not in production. But now they're they're going back into production. And uh, are you gonna? I guess are you gonna be on Taxi? You mentioned before no. the show there were some problems. Uh, yeah, I quit the show. You quit the show? Yeah. You're no longer gonna be on Taxi. Right. You have your own show. No, um, there, I'm not doing much uh, special right now. No, but, um, this is, you know, I'm once in a while making appearances like on this show. Yeah, yeah I know you're, you're probably going to do movies. Hopefully, I hope. <laughs> and I guess you'll be, you used to be on Saturday Night Live an awful lot, yeah. so. I don't know. I really don't, um, have any control of that if they ask me i would do it but i don't really there's nothing um planned right now in the, for the near future yeah. um you doing a lot of nightclubs though um occasionally appearing at the uh, improvisation in new york this is a place i started out at yeah yeah uh not really much i'm just staying i'm living in new york now mm -hmm. Uh, but things are things are okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so you know, a woman mentioned you. you right? <laughs> There's a very visual aspect of this. He's like staring at Letterman. say thank you very much to David Letterman and the producers of the show and the people that run this show for having me as a guest and it's a very pleasure to come on the show and be here. I'd like to talk about my marriage. My, I met my wife uh, several years ago when I was struggling in New York performing every night at the improvisation nightclub. I would perform every night for free and once in a while I would get jobs elsewhere for maybe $50 a night and stuff. And I met her while I was driving up from southern New Jersey one time. She was a cocktail waitress. And uh, we went out a few times, so fell in love and got married. 
and she kind of she worked as a waitress while I was working for free in nightclubs and we lived together out, right outside of New York City and we had two children and uh, names were Mark and Lisa and um, it was all made up by the way I believe Saturday night obviously it <laughs> just <coughs> discovered me I'm not I'd rather if you don't uh, laugh because um, I'm not trying to be funny right now <laughs> uh, and shortly after that I went to California and things really started happening um, I started I had a manager I got a manager Shapiro West and associates George Shapiro a wonderful man and he was my manager for uh, for next few years and then taxi came along and I was doing all these far out things on television shows but when taxi came along it was just one character the latka and I kind of felt inhibited by it that you know I was just able to do the one character I wanted to have more freedom creatively to do these other things and the things I used to do on Saturday Night Live and stuff and, um, um, so anyway I quit the show and my wife uh, at that time I was wrestling women on Saturday Night Live I got a lot of hate mail and um, no producer would hire me after that so one day I was at my manager's office uh, trying to get a, an engagement for a dinner theater in Wisconsin and I got a call from my wife's lawyer she wanted a divorce and she got a divorce she got the kids the house she got all my money uh, not all my money but some anyway she, she got everything I moved to New York and now that's what I'm doing now living in New York and I'd um, I, I don't really have anything, uh, <coughs> <coughs> so anyway, um, if anybody could, uh, I, I know this sounds like a cliche, but, uh, if you could, any extra money, uh, I would appreciate it. He goes in the, in the audience to collect money now. This guy's giving him some money. Page or the assistant takes him away. This is a daytime talk show, too. Pleasure to have. It's like 10 o'clock in the morning on a weekday. The Twilight Zone theme, maybe? Maybe not. Jet-powered bowling ball. Inventions that didn't work. Jet-powered bowling ball. Anyway, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good clip because it sort of shows his... Uh, that style of, like, you know, is he serious or is he not serious? 
I recently was watching the Fridays, not the one where he broke the fourth wall in the drug skit, but the one where he claimed that he had turned Christian and was going to marry this this um, gospel singer. And that was a more a more elaborate hoax, you know, which uh, she later commented on. I forget her name. Um, but, I mean, he enjoyed doing that kind of thing, um, sort of confusing the audience and, you know, subverting expectations in a way. Um, so is, is that, you know, like the fact that we're talking about him today on central and that, um, you know, continuing to wonder, but as I said, as I said, when I was interviewed by that guy, uh, John, why can't I find his name? The guy who made, uh, John LaRoquette. No, no, that says someone else. Um, let's take a look here. And then finally, he we got him on one of these live streams, and I'm like, "Did you work with Banksy? What is Banksy like? You know, do you work for the CIA?" I kind of, you know, I, he's like, "Well, I'm British. I can't work for the CIA." I think I pissed him off. John Lundberg. There we go. John Lundberg. Okay, he's an English artist and documentary filmmaker. His work is concerned with ostention. What is ostention? Conveys the meaning of a term by pointing out examples. Like pointing to an object. I don't know what that even, what's that even trying to mean. Uh, underpinning all his works is the interest in how myth and artifice can shape and alter reality, especially regarding crop circles, ufology, or ufology, and other examples of urban legends and the paranormal. So you can see that's why he was sort of interested in the Andy Kaufman thing. And um, he's currently working on the movie about Kaufman Lives. Really? Are you are you serious? Do they still have a website? Kaufman Lives, the website. Look at this. <clears throat> oh, no, the other guy's name was Roland. Roland Denning. I met him, too. Yeah, the last uh, content on this site. I guess there was a Kaufman Lives Twitter. Tw- uh, 2018 was the end of that. A forthcoming documentary by John Lundberg and Roland Denning. Kaufman Lives, the life, death, and legend of Andy Kaufman. <clears throat> yeah, that. Uh, what happened with that? What happened? <laughs> I want to be in a movie, damn it. <laughs> I don't know what happened with it. I think he probably couldn't get... I think probably Maddox, you know, didn't want... So... Let's just put it this way. Like, if the intention of Andy was that he didn't want there to ever be a resolution to this question, and I think Maddox would have picked that up and also never wanted a resolution to why he's di- why he did it, what's the story with this guy Maddox, and what's his connection to Andy Kaufman. He wanted to make sure there was never a resolution. So maybe him appearing in the movie... I don't know, though. I would really have thought that it would have been in Maddox's interest to kind of do something in the movie, like appear in in silhouette or something to make some cryptic statements and stuff like that. In fact, I tried. In in fact, I had his phone number and I tried calling him with uh, John Lundberg and and there was no answer. We left him. We left him a message. I'm like, hey, Steve, uh, I'm here with John Lundberg. Uh, We're making making a movie about Andy Kaufman. You want to be in it or something? (laughs) Anyway, that's the story. 
And, uh, you know, there there probably will not be any resolution to this whole thing. And uh, ultimately, you know, the world goes on, you know, whether we know or not if Andy's alive or not. But he will die eventually. I, I, he would be kind of old at this point. So there'll come a point where Andy, even if he did fake his death, will probably be dead anyway. So anyway, uh, Andy Kaufman. He's definitely uh, quite a character. And Steve Maddox as well. Back to you, PQ. <laughs> I remember seeing heartbeats on TV for the first time. Andy was still alive. This was still, everything was still possible. And wanting to love this movie. And it was just so awful. On every possible, I mean, well, well, no. I, I'm, while I have grown to like the weird robot costume that Robot Andy wears, uh, even that at the time was like, what? Uh, really as a film as one of the worst films I think I've ever seen that one probably is right there in taking the cake and when I think about bad films I don't think about it that's how just disappointing and every few years I would watch it again I think I watched it again oh probably five six years ago maybe a little longer thinking okay now i'm gonna see something no 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 and and i had no idea that's how peter bernard came to uh join us that that's interesting that ties a lot more together through andy kaufman that that's funny um and stephen maddox what a character um and I guess we are right at this very moment. This is part of the seeds that Stephen Maddox planted, like it or not. Uh, oh, and the pronunciation of Kaufman is, I'm, it, well, where I grew up, there was a department store, not a, an appliance store called Kaufman's. I went to school with Kaufman's, Neil Kaufman. And no, there was no Kaufman, but I could see you know, the Jewish people try to normalize the sounds like uh, their L-E-V-I-N-E in upstate New York was Levine. And it's a Jewish name, Levin, Levine. The Levite tribe is one of the tribes of the Israel of, of Jews that they're divided up into. But we won't let we'll just leave it at that. But down in very uh, Catholic Pennsylvania, L-E-V-I-N-E-S was a place called Levin's. You see? You see what I did there? Yeah. Well, like I say. And, and we've got that, oh man, that bit from the Letterman show with Andy coughing away like Walter White or something. Oh, that was just... But by then, I had, I kept giving Andy another, I never liked Taxi and Latka, even though I considered myself still a fan. And I had, I mean, those early Saturday Night Live appearances and early Andy, that was the stuff. 
I mean, and his appearances on shows, this that whole feeling, just like in that clip, anything could happen. What's going to happen next? That this, this guy could do anything. That, that, that was the magic of Andy Kaufman. And uh, yeah, Chad, Frank, thanks, and you. Uh, thanks for uh, making this all a uh, cohesive whole. And uh, we're going to... Now I coerce a little. Uh, next week, the topic is, let's talk about art. And uh, art, what is it? Uh, what What's going on with it in 2022? What was going on with it in 19... I got no idea. But uh, let's talk about art right here on the Overnight Scape Central next week. And uh, more or less, I'm pretty sure you know how this works, but we'll, uh, I'll see you in September. Yes, the uh, 5th, 6th actually, of September 2022. Uh, sometime in the early evening, if your file is here, you are guaranteed participation and really think about it i mean you just take your phone you put it on memo you record something and if you need a little editing done just send me an i will edit stuff out for you i will fix the audio levels uh just come on join the fun and uh let's talk about art together here the email address the famous email address is kpqr.torc at gmail.com. Repeating that one more time, kpqr.torc at gmail.com. Uh, you can also send uh, fan letters, uh, what have you, questions, answers, and uh, we'll do our best to, 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 to fix you up proper. And... Uh, Another exciting show. There is nothing like the Overnightscape Central. Join us again next week, if you would. And uh, in the meantime, set the controls for the heart of the fun. <laughs>